Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. All right, today's sermon text is from Matthew 7, 1 through 28. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. For the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam, for, uh, for reading. I haven't thrown any uh, tricky words at you recently. Maybe we can change that. Um, well, I, there's a lot here today. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, each one of these little six sections probably could have been a sermon on its own. But next week is Palm Sunday, 
And I wanted to finish up the Sermon on the Mount before we, uh, we entered into to Holy Week and, and made our final way towards Easter. So um, I hope that I will be able to communicate the depth of this passage. And, and I think there's um, maybe a helpful framework to help us see what's happening here. There's uh, one commentator that I, that I really like about this has said that the first little three sections are a summary of the Sermon on the Mount, kind of summarize things. And the next little three sections are warnings to the believing community about how to act and to live. Um, and so uh, I think that's kind of, it makes sense to me. I've been chewing on that uh, this week, and I don't know if we'll follow that in, entirely. Uh, I do want to, anybody a rule follower? Anybody just like to follow rules, yeah? Um, anybody terrified of getting in trouble? I, I, the reason I was not a rebellious teenager was because I was scared. Uh, I like to follow the rules, um, but there, there's developed, as I've grown, there's developed a, uh, a tendency of mine to, to want to follow the rules until the rules are stupid, right? Like, until the rules don't make sense for me, um, or, you know, they're, they're, not, they're counterproductive or whatever, and then I want to be like, ah, oh, well, I'm just going to do what I want anyway. Um, and uh, I, I try not to do that for my children because I don't want my children to do that to me when, they, when I'm trying. You, you know how it is. You know how it is. Um, well, I think uh, there are two, at least two different groups in the church in North America, in, in America. Uh, there is a, a group of Christians who are, ultra rule following. They have a very uh, specific idea of what it means to be Christian. And we've talked about this a little before. And and it really mostly has to do with not doing certain things or doing other things just exactly the right, the right way. Uh, We might call this legalism. Uh, And it's it's a very, it ends up turning into, it doesn't have to be this way, but it ends up turning into something that's really, really judgmental. We, we look at people, um, perhaps, who don't believe exactly like us or, or those who are not yet Christians, and we say, because you don't live and act and believe exactly like me, uh, then ha, you're going to burn. Um, you can't possibly be a Christian and do this. Um, and, and so that it just gets judgmental and uncharitable and... And it's not conducive to, well, to sharing the love of God, maybe. Um, and, and I understand where they come from. Uh, correcting people, especially if you're a parent, um, I need to correct my children. And sometimes that may look like judgment. Um, but it's because I want the very, very best for them. I want them to grow up to become, you know, who God has intended them to become. Um, but it, it works on fear, and, uh, I, you know, I had a lot of that uh, growing up, and, and uh, I think that's what kept me wanting to be a, a rule follower, right? Fear. The only problem is, it's not the only problem. Uh, the problem is, is that fear doesn't help us love God and others as ourselves. It may help us act ethically and morally correct, checking the boxes, but it doesn't help us to fulfill, at least I believe, the mission that God has given to us. So there's a lot of judgment, maybe not a, a lot of mercy. I, I do have to say that this is a char- char- 
caricature. I can never say this word. It's a picture with, yes, exactly. Um, and, and so it's over-exaggerated, right? That, that description is a little over-exaggerated, except that all of, all of those kind of stereotypes are rooted in a little bit of truth. I speak for a living. Um, yeah, so, so that's the one group, kind of judgment. And then on the other side, we have a group of Christians who say, as long as you love Jesus, everything's okay. Like, that, that's all that matters. Uh, as long as you love Jesus, and maybe as long as you love the people around you and take care of them and work for issues of, of justice, well, then, then some of these other things don't, don't really matter. Again, uh, caricature. Character, it, yeah. I'm not going to get it today, so it's, I'll just stop saying it. Um, but there's a, a lot of love, a lot of love, but maybe not a whole lot of accountability. And, but then there's, there's judgment on this side too, because it says, it says to the people who are the altar rule followers, if you're so focused on the external things of following the rules, there's no possible way that you have any love in your heart, and so you're not a Christian. And the other side says, well, you are only loving Jesus, which isn't really loving Jesus at all, and you aren't acting and living ethically and morally, and so there is no way you could possibly call yourself a Christian. Uh, does this make sense? Have you seen this kind of thing? Obviously, I'm, I'm making extremes. Uh, by the time we get done today, hopefully, we will be somewhere in the middle. Um, I think there's, Jesus uses this really vivid image, uh, right? He says, don't judge so that you won't be judged. And he says, why do you who have a speck, why do you try to get the speck out of your neighbor's eye when you've got a big log or plank sticking out of your own. Now I want you to just visualize that. I have since I was a kid and I can just imagine someone walking around with like a, a log that's been debarked hanging out their eye and it, it's just hard to get around anywhere and you're smacking people in the head with it as you try to, to walk around. You got a log in your eye. It's un, you are unable to see maybe what the good stuff is. Uh, you're un- maybe unable to see uh, all of the flaws you might have in yourself. You're unable, unable to maybe to even see how your vision and understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower could be wrong. And, and I think the Pharisees in Jesus' day were doing this. They, they were ultra-rule followers, and they would go around and judge people because they didn't, pray at the right times or in the right way and they didn't fast and they weren't they didn't keep all of the gajillions of laws that Israel ended up having by this time uh, but yet this this law this log in their eye would would keep them from seeing clearly and now uh, I'm not so naive to believe that a speck in your eye uh, can't have drastic ramifications for how you see things who wears contacts anybody I, I grew up wearing uh, hard contacts, and yes, Jerry knows what I'm talking about. And so they're, they're hard plastic, and they're really good for folks who have astigmatism and, and things like that. But if you ever got a piece of dirt 
a little tiny piece of dirt underneath that contact makes you cry for your mama because it hurts. Uh, so it's, it's both ways. Um, so we got mercy being trumped by judgment and maybe uh, love not being accountable. I think I said this is a, a summary, this part. I think what Jesus is saying is that somewhere between like judgment and lawlessness is a, a place in between that I think that I want to call generous critique. Generous critique. Um, it's where we're maybe honest with ourselves about who we are and our own failures and the ways in which God is working in us. Uh, but it also allows us to be able to be in relationship with people so that we might be able to say to them and they might be able to say to us, you have got this wrong. Thank you. You've got this wrong. And and it's not very loving and and you need to change. We're going to, we'll come back to this. Um, uh, The next section though is about giving your pearls to pigs, right? And the commentator that, that I've read said that when we exercise this extra judgment of the first group, oh, we're taking the good news of the love of God for creation and we're throwing it in the dirt where it's only going to be trampled on. We go a little bit farther, and hopefully we'll tie all this together. It's going to seem a little, uh, a little disjointed. The next five verses, though, at verse 7, and I'm sorry I don't have it up on the screen. Jesus tells us to uh, ask, and it will be given. To knock, and the door will be open. Uh, and to seek, and we'll find. Uh, and that, that God, who is a good father will give us all the things that we need. I'm, af- I'm afraid that the ask part of this passage gets taken out of context, and, and we end up maybe believing that, um, that as long as we have enough faith that God will give us the thing that we want. Uh, and I'm not, sure, I'm not sure it works that way. I, I think maybe if, if we are like the person with the log in their eye, then that too we aren't able to see what the good thing is that we should be asking for. Or the the good thing is that we should be seeking. Does that make any kind of sense? It keeps us from being able to see. And so we ask for things maybe that we don't really, well, that we don't really need to be the kind of people that God is calling us to be. Um, And yet, uh, we ask, and God will give us sight to see. Uh, God will remove the log from our eyes so that we are able to see the path which we are supposed to go as individuals and as a church. God gives us the good things. Uh, Verse 12 then, and this one everybody knows, I think. 
Uh, in everything you do, and in, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Ah, this is the law and prophets. Again, a summary. What Jesus is saying. Uh, you you got you to realize that for Jesus and all of his friends at this particular time, and for the first couple of generations of Christians, the Bible that they had was the Old Testament. That was it. Uh, later on, they would get the Gospels, and, and maybe they had some of Paul's writings. But we didn't formalize all that until a lot later. Uh, the entirety of what they understood that they were supposed to do, the law and the prophets, was about loving other people in the same way that you would like to be loved. I think... I think it's hard to love people in the way that we would like to be loved if we've got a giant log sticking out of our eye and if we're only asking for the things that we think that we need and if we're only ever seeking after the things that we think will bring us gratification and fulfillment. Uh, We want people, we want to do to people what, what we would want them to do to us. And I don't know. I don't know that there's anybody in, in here or anywhere else that does not want to be loved and valued and accepted and given compassion. Maybe you don't know that you need those things, you don't want those things, but I think deep down inside, if we, if we look and we see that the the deepest, the deepest desires of who we are wants to be in genuine relationship. This is what God has done for us. This is what God is calling for us to do with him is to be in genuine relationship, to be loved, and then to pass on that love. Okay, we'll go forward. Verse 13. And uh, these, are, these are the warnings then. Uh, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the, and the road that leads, and the, well, I can't read. Uh, gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life and there are few who find it. I think Jesus is saying that maybe if you allow him to take out the log, from your eye and you, you allow him to show you the good things that you need and you ask for the good and right things and you, and you care and you are seeking and knocking and you treat others in the way that Christ has treated us well then we find uh, what we find is the, the narrow gate and the hard road I grew up um, knowing I grew up knowing that Christianity was perhaps a little difficult. That this loving people in the way that we have been loved is hard. That asking, well, that that examining ourselves and trying to take out all the obstacles so that we can see God clearly is difficult. But over and over and over again, it was presented to me as that Christianity, if, if you said this magic prayer and invited Jesus into your life, then everything would magically be better. And I didn't have a bad life, but I didn't see that happening for me. I think if we're allowing 
Christ to do the work in our lives, to, to reshape us, to allow us to see clearly. If we set ourselves to truly seeking after what God is desiring for us, then we will end up at the small gate and the narrow road, which is difficult. Well, there will be a, a whole mess of folks, maybe, who take the easy path, who never get around to taking the log out of their eye. Here's where, um, here's where we're helped a little bit anyway. Uh, he goes a little far and talks about a tree and its fruit. And um, another vivid image, right? You know how healthy a tree is by the fruit that it bears. We, when we moved to here, we had three apple trees in the backyard. Uh, and they were, they were nice. In the fall, you would get a decent amount of apples. And then we had Japanese beetles one year. Like, do you guys remember Japanese beetles absolutely everywhere? And by the time the Japanese beetles got done with those apple trees, it was like, uh, it was like all the leaves had fallen off, except they hadn't fallen off. They were just the empty, sh- the empty sh- outline of the, of the leaf and all of the little holes eaten into it. And after that, these trees, and because we're not horticulturalists, not an arborist, I guess that's trees, these apple trees began to die. And bits of them would fall off, and, and eventually, like, the crop of apples would get smaller and smaller, and then, like, non-existent, to the point where we're like, these trees are old, and they are dead, and they are no longer bearing the fruit that they need to bear, and they depress my wife, so we cut them down. Because we don't like dead things in the backyard. I don't like it either. I'm, that's not fair to you, I guess. I, I, I wonder, if we think about, if we think about this, like we're called not to judge people. But we are called to, to discern the kind of fruit they are producing. Uh, we're called to, to examine ourselves, too, and, and figure out the kind of fruit that we're producing. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. I did it, yes. I never get it right. I, I think part of the reason I started with that compare and contrast uh, with the log and the speck is because we're tempted to, to just look at maybe the, the outside or maybe what appeals to our own emotional states. For me, it's rule following, right? But what, in, in this important sermon that Jesus is wrapping up, no, it's not judgment, but you've got to be aware of what the fruit of the people and the things that you're following Is it characterized by love? Is it faithful and good and just? We are, should be, good trees bearing good fruit uh, and helping others to bear good fruit as well. Can't do that if we've got a log in our eye. 
can't do that if we're only seeking after the things that are, well, we think are good for us. We can't do that if we're not treating people the same way that Christ has treated, treated us. As he begins to wrap this up, though, we get verse 21. And this just floors me if you are, uh, well, if, if, if maybe you're on the uh, love Jesus and nothing else side of things, this, this might be shocking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And, and, and so if, if, you're, if you're reading this, you'd be like, wait, 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 wait. I guess it's both sides, right? Wait, just because I've said that I'm a Christian, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that I'm, that I'm in necessarily. Now, I, I don't want you to feel like you've got to worry about that, right? No, I don't want you to worry about that. Uh, I think if you're worried about whether you are a Christian or not, you probably are, right? Uh, because you're, you're trying and, and there's grace and God is helping us to learn and grow in, in our unfaithfulness. God is always and forever faithful. But I think we're so good at deceiving ourselves, not knowing that we've got the, pl- the plank, the log in our eye. N- not knowing that the fruit that we're producing is sour and rotten. Uh, the title in my Bible says, Concerning Self-Deception. This is, why you, this is why I'm pretty sure you can't be a Christian apart from the church. Because we have a responsibility to speak, not judgment into each other's lives. We have the responsibility to speak the truth in love. That's the generous critique. I don't know how many times someone has come to me and said, that wasn't very good. You, you didn't, that was a rotten apple. And because there's been relationship and give and take, I've been able to take those things and, and work on them. And maybe the apple's a little less rotten the next time. I don't know. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. Uh, The last section here. Hearers and doers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the flood came and the winds blew and beat down the house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. We look back at the Sermon on the Mount. And maybe that's what I want you to do this week. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 5 and read all the way again till 7. Read it all in one setting if you are able. And, and take this last little section 
and maybe pray and ask and say, God, what is, the, what is the log that has been in my eye that is keeping me from, from living out this sermon that you have given to us? What is keeping me from being uh, compassionate and loving? What's keeping me from being in the kind of relationship with somebody so that they can generously critique my behavior and I can generously critique their behavior in love. How is the foundation of my life? Is it built on loving God and each other? Or is it built on Something else. Uh, selfishness, greed, laziness. I, I think that's, that's the question. If, if we are to be a church, not any, just any kind of church, if we're to be a church, then these couple of chapters of Matthew's gospel have to be for us the foundation of how we live and act and worship. It has to be the foundation of what we teach and what we proclaim. And it has to be done with love. So maybe um, as we get ready to receive the Lord's Supper, Maybe as you are in line waiting for your turn, I, I think we start examining our foundation by asking ourselves, what is getting in the way of me seeing clearly? Am I on that judgmental side or am I, as long as I love Jesus, everything else is cool side or somewhere in between? Maybe who have I been mad at who's been trying to correct my sinful behavior, but I can't see that they're right, and it's causing friction? Or or maybe who is it that I really, really love, and I want them to be the very best, and yet they're unable to receive the love of God because they can't see that they that they're working against it. As we make our final turn next week towards Easter, we end up being reminded that this meal is the very basis of things. It is what God has done for us. Um, how, to say, how do I say this? It's God doing for us what God would want to do us to do for him and others. That the, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection is uh, God acting in the same way that we should act for him, if that makes sense, and others. It is about God giving himself for us. 
and we, we tell the story every week and we receive these elements every week so that we can then live that story with our own life, giving of ourselves for others in the way that Christ has given for us. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.